Hello and welcome to the One Big Podcast, a show where we discuss all your burning workplace organizing questions and revel in the history of the IWW. I am fellow worker Jason. Joining me today are the esteemed fellow workers Derek. Hello. And fellow worker Alec. Hello. And today, I got a big question for you guys all. There are a lot of unions out there with a lot of acronyms and initialisms and all sorts of things. But why should people get into the IWW? Yeah, I think that's a... Uh... That's just, a pretty. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Did you just shrug? <laughs> <laughs> I did, you know, I mean, it's so obvious. Why are we even asking this question? Uh, I mean, I think it's. A, I think it's. I think it is a really good question. And you know, workers out there have. If, if there's anything I've learned, it's like when workers come to like, why? Like, what is the IWW? Like, we've heard of the UAW, uh, and then you're like, yeah, but you know, there's like the UFCW. There's there's SEIU, and you just start hitting, hitting with acronyms, like you said, Jason, like, okay, hold on, there's an entire world of unions out there. Yeah, it's more than just UAW. Uh, there are lots and lots of unions out there, and the IWW is amongst the oldest, and the one that I would advocate that people join, and, and, and well, why is that? Well, I, I think that Unlike a lot of our, uh, a lot of the other unions that are out there, we are sort of the opposite of a craft business union, right? The IWW's founding principles and current maintained principles are bottom-up, worker-directed democracy, workers as organizers, um, and, and, and workers in general having say over their workplace. Our model of organizing is one of worker militancy, one of no truces with the bosses and making sure that workers know how to represent themselves and stand up with one another. And there isn't another, there aren't, there aren't a lot of other unions out there that can, that can say that that's their organizing model. Uh, uh, the UAW um, comparison might be useful. So let's uh, stick to that. Uh, what, what do they do compared to what does the IWW do? Yeah, so uh, so I'm not a UAW organizer, but this is but this is how I understand how the UAW works. The UAW is a is a union that is broken into like multiple parts, right? There's UAW International, there's UAW National, and then there's like then then there are UAW regions. Mm-hmm. So there's like this massive sort of sprawling bureaucracy in in the UAW, and and the UAW has a massive amount of hired staff. So if you want to organize with the UAW, um, you know, say, so they, they historically have, or have organized in like auto plants, for example, like factory workers. But, you know, there, there, is a, there are several UAW locals on college campuses where they represent graduate workers in some instances uh, and like staffs at college. So EMU has two, U, Eastern Michigan University has two UAW locals. Um, one of them is clerical, uh, clerical staff, and the other one is professional technicals. Weird. So at some point, these people got together, had an organizing committee, reached out to the UAW and said, hey, we'd like to organize, we'd like to organize a union. And the UAW said, okay, cool. And, and I'm guessing, I wasn't there in 1976 when it happened, <laughs> I'm guessing the UAW assigned some staff members to come out and essentially... Um, organized organized the staff into UAW 1976. Uh, that's one of the locals at at EMU. Now, say that same place wanted to organize with the IWW, how would it be different? Well, the, I guess the chief difference is that you're not going to get a paid staff member with the IWW. Um, you're going to get another worker like like me or fellow worker Alec over here or like you, Jason, right? 
uh, a couple of a couple of folks who who probably also have jobs elsewhere. But you're not just going to get us. You're going to get the IWW. So when somebody comes to the IWW to organize, um, we don't assign them a staff member. One of our organizing volunteers taps in as an external organizer and starts teaching those workers how to organize their workplace. Our number one goal is to impart organizing knowledge to workers and to help them along. And we can assign as many people as we need to it because we're not paying staff. Um, we're just, we're asking fellow workers to stand up with us and help in that organizing process. So there are a couple organizing projects here in Ann Arbor, for instance, where the where when someone says, hey, we need some stuff done, I go to the Ypsilanti IWW and say, hey, we need five fellow workers out, out here doing some hand billing or to do some phone calls or, or to come out to this organizing meetings to do some whiteboarding, right? It's a very collaborative process um, with, with all of our workers, all of our fellow workers engaged in that. And there's nobody out there making a whole lot of money uh, whose job depends on making sure that those workers organize. We're here to not push workers into organizing, but stand alongside them while they're doing it. Yeah, I'd say that, um, you know, having had some uh, connection as a worker trying to organize with, with both IWW and with um, other large trade unions like UFCW, uh, that the, the real risk for some of these really large uh, bureaucratic uh, business unions is that in order to do the business of negotiating with employers, they've really started to take on a lot of the same characteristics of those employers. So, you know, they have these, these um, places where they anticipate being able to make certain compromises or certain uh, arrangements um, that, that, you know, ultimately may be decent arrangements or may not be, but, but they're not, um, they come in with a lot of that baggage. It's baggage on, you know, on the one hand, it's also, you know, maybe just efficient on the other hand. The, the thing about doing it from the bottom up, like Derek's talking about, is that, you know, the, the specific demands and the specific actions are going to have to come from the people in that workplace, and they're going to be absolutely custom fit to that workplace. Uh, so, you know, IWW does not arrive with, um, you know, a, a carbon copy contract or uh, a set of of you know specific content demands that they say here's here's what you need to demand this wage or this break schedule or this accommodation uh, you know that's going to have to come from the workers themselves so uh, you know I think the IWW is an especially good fit for workplaces that are trying to maintain uh, a culture or in which there is already a culture among the workers the workers have a strong sense of the work they have a strong sense of what needs to happen and where the uh, frustrations are, you know, in, in working with management. And, you know, IWW is a, a good uh, vehicle for uh, workers learning, like Derek said, how to, um, how to build their own power, how to build solidarity, and how to sort of preserve a worker identity, dignity, culture. Um, on the other hand, you know, if you, if you organize with one of these large trade unions, your circumstances as a worker may improve nominally. Um, but, the culture won't won't change at all uh, because you're essentially going to just have a contract that the bosses uh, and the union have agreed to in in some sense maybe there's some nominal uh, worker involvement like you know we had a campaign at one of my workplaces recently where the UFCW essentially was was coming on with you know all of these uh, preconceived ideas about what what should happen and on what timeline it should happen and what we would end up getting. And they would only like to consult workers really about some of the, 
you know, like uh, the parameters, uh, you know, for which they already had some some principles in place. So, you know, your your wages will be X or Y, or you know, what do you think about um, your your break time? They were not uh, especially flexible in, in terms of thinking about um, content that didn't already exist in their their previous contracts and campaigns, and uh, and they were they were determined that that this would just happen on a you know, on a timeline and in this administrative way that was, uh, that didn't need to to meet with the approval of workers, they were just gonna go ahead and, and do that. Like we had like, almost like we had like signed up for a service and they were administering the service. Gotcha. And uh, that was not very satisfying to me or, or my fellow workers. Uh, you know, we were really frustrated by that. Well, so so like, and, and I think that there's, that there's a really interesting, like if you look at how UFCW organized in that situation, and also a couple of years ago, I was at a uh, I was at a workplace with some workers who were trying to organize, and they called in the OPEIU, not an acronym you hear very often. It's wow. like the Office Professionals um, Employees Industrial Union. Or is that is that headed up by Ronald McDonald? <laughs> EIO. Uh, no, no, no. So OPEIU, they they can be okay sometimes. I, I I don't I don't have a ton of beef with the OPEIU. Um, they, you know, they, they're not entirely afraid of being, you know, a little aggressive when they need to be, but they, but their organizing method, you know, when they came in to organize at this workplace, they didn't come in asking, well, what are your grievances? What are your concerns? They didn't come in talking about, well, how do we start like building solidarity in your workplace? How do we get your fellow workers engaged in the organizing committee? Their response was very much so like, what have you already done? And how can we step in? Do you have enough people? That was really like, it, their question was like, do you have enough people to where our effort is going to be minimal in organizing this workplace? Mm-hmm. And if you have, then we're on board. And if you haven't, then every time we come out, we want to see this effort grow twofold, twofold. Every single time you come out, we need to see more and more people at these meetings. And so I appreciate that sort of methodology in that they want to get the organizing done, but there is no process building. And if there's anything that I have learned in my seven, eight, however many years of organizing is that workers don't know how to do this. You know, like, like organizing is a cultivated talent. It is, it is a learned skill. And, and a lot of these unions, they're going to come in and do the work for you. And, and that that might be attractive to some people, but I want to just point out like that is representative of the type of union you will have. They will come in and and they will organize for you in some cases. And then after you're organized, who's going to represent you? Who's going to negotiate your contract? Who's going to fight your grievances? Who's going to enforce your contract? Who's going to come out and settle all these disputes with the employer? Is it going to be you as workers? Or are you going to be waiting for a call from your UFCW rep um, and, and, and hopefully they get back to you soon, right? Are you going to be waiting for SEIU to come out and, and press your grievance and hopefully it happens sooner than later? Um, I think that's really one of the key differences is our goal is to build an army of organizers. The IWW, I don't want to represent workers in, you know, Alex workspace. Uh, it, it is, in fact, I think of paramount importance that Alec and his coworkers understand what it means to organize, understand what it means to represent themselves, understand what it means to, to identify a grievance, an issue they have with their employer, 
and understand how it affects them as workers in a constructive way so that when we march on the boss and demand changes, we, 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 we can develop cohesive strategies. And I, I'm not going to abandon any, any internal organizer, but I, but I can't represent them. I don't do their work. And so it is of the utmost importance to me, like I said earlier, is that, is that we stand alongside workers. I don't wanna stand for workers. I don't wanna tell workers what their grievances are. I wanna teach them to tell us what those grievances are and then work with them, with as many fellow workers as we can inside that industry or inside our branch to make sure their demands are met. So now for me, completely changed the subject. The reason I came into the IWA, it was more of an ideological one. Like there are plenty of great unions out there, but like it, all the all the other unions were like, well, where do you work? And not, are you a worker? And with the IWW, it was like, no, we want to get everybody and like create, you know, class consciousness together, which is radically different than a lot of people. Like the UAW doesn't care about anybody outside of the audio workers. That's it. They're just like, we're, we're for these people sometimes everybody else, we don't give a shit, but you know, with the IWW, it was like, no, we want to, if we have to, we will shut down multiple industries to get one workplace organized theoretically. Theoretically. So, yeah. and, but your point is interesting because the UAW does organize outside of auto workers, but like they don't do a great job of it. Like who's, who's representing those clerical workers at, at EMU? And the, the answer is that, well, those clerical workers are kind of languishing. Who's representing mm-hmm. those professional technicals at EMU? Well, it, it's gotta be the workers there because the UAW, it's not their priority. It's, you know, it's a 200, 400 person unit compared to like their giant factories who are their principal priority. It's the same thing with the American Federation of Teachers. And this has been a divide in the American Federation of Teachers in Michigan as well. We principally represent teachers, in particular K through 12 teachers. But in the last couple of decades, we've started organizing adjunct lecturers at higher edu- at, at institutions of higher education, mm-hmm. and we've started and and, and we've started organizing um, like paraprofessionals and K through 12 K through 12 staff. Now, don't get me wrong. In terms of business unions, I think that AFT is one of the better ones. Um, uh, I, I have a short list of <laughs> that I'm sort that that I'm sort of okay with, and AFT is on that list. But AFT has some missteps, and and I would be lying if I didn't tell you that they probably don't represent like janitorial staff exactly. as effectively as their K through 12 teachers. And there are complaints within that union about how effectively higher ed is is represented by a union that principally represents K through 12 teachers. I, I think it's exactly to your point is that is that we, the way we divide up our union is industrially, but industries are complicated beasts, obviously. And, and industries and industries represent a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life. And, and our, our goal is to organize the service worker industry, right? Like everyone in service work, everybody in retail work. And we want to organize along those industrial lines. So it's not just one workplace that has power. It's every worker in that industry. And, I, and, I've, and, I've, said, and I've said this before in a couple of places, and I think that it's kind of very representative of how I would like to organize in the IWW. And that is like, Great. Let's organize. Let let's organize some some Main Street Venture restaurant uh, in Ann Arbor. Like let, let let's organize one of them. But you know what's substantially more powerful is is if a group of workers 
at at um, at many Ostia, uh, you know, a restaurant in Ann Arbor. I don't know if they're owned by Mintry, but there's not. But a, a a group of workers there want to organize, and they've got some serious campaign issues, and they start striking. And then it's not just them who are striking. But all of a sudden, a bunch of other uh, restaurant workers go, yeah, 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 yeah. You need to make this happen for those workers. And they just shut down. They just shut down the city of Ann Arbor for a week. If 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 the if the restaurant workers in Ann Arbor stopped working for a week. The amount of losses that boss would experiences would that bosses would experience would be astronomical, and 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 the pressure that other capitalists would put on those capitalists at Maniostia to make those damn changes would be enormous as well. Uh, we are always more powerful, as the labor movement has learned over the last 115 years. We're always more powerful when when we have more workers. In your own workshop, you're more powerful when you have more than just yourself. And when you're outside of your own shop, we're more powerful when we have all of the restaurant workers out there willing to walk, march down Main Street with us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting to think about um, to think about this this concept, right, of power in numbers. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think you've also touched on something, Jason, which is sort of like that financial motivation, which it doesn't make sense to me as a worker, you know, who's been searching for um, structure or assistance in in a union to appeal to uh, an organizer who, whose paycheck and bottom line depend upon organizing because the work of organizing may be slow. It kind of moves, um, I think Peyton said it, uh, at the speed of trust, which I think is, a, mm-hmm. you know, uh, captures something. So, you know, as someone who does a lot of their, um, their labor as a teacher too, you know, I kind of know that this, this is qualitative work. It takes a certain amount of time. Uh, you know, I think of, of organizing as a, as a way of life. And so it's been a, an interesting point of disagreement between me and some of my fellow workers in my workplace about like, where do we go? If we want to unionize, like, what do we do? And some people are of the mind, well, we need big guns. We need to go to a union like the UFCW because they have the powerful attorneys. They have the numbers that Derek's talking about so that they can really, uh, you know, have good leverage. They can help us out that way. And yet when we did that, they were so reluctant to use any of their leverage because they're um, they're connected to that financial situation. They, you know, if, if if the employer were to file a ULP against them, that costs them labor resources and money, and they're they're calculating that the same way that our employer is. Mm-hmm. And so it makes more sense to me that you go with the people who are doing it because they believe in it for an ideological reason, uh, because those are the people who are actually going to to wield the power, you know, when they uh, accumulate it. And so, you know, I think that that's where the IWW has has sort of found this niche, uh, like Derek is saying, in service workers. And and part of the reason is is not just that it's a better cultural fit, but because we're in industries that have been left behind by big uh, unions because there's no money in it. Because, you know, if our wages are $8 an hour and, you know, even if a union can pump us up to 10 and get 30 bucks a month for a worker or something, that's not a tremendously profitable uh, proposition. And if that's still going to take, you know, hundreds of hours of, of professional labor on the ground, it's, you know, it's not a, a sustainable uh, endeavor for these these kind of nonprofit corporate seeming unions. So uh, it, it ends up being just a really uh, good opportunity for, you know, people who are kind of true believers to step in there. And I think that's why you see IWW overrepresented in, in service sector um, workplaces. That and like, like you said, your your fellow workers were like, who do we go to? At the IWW, the reason I like them is they come to you and say, you are the people you're looking for. Right. You can do it. And it empowers you to do the thing instead of like, 
just passing the buck to somebody else and getting a middleman. Yeah. And, you know, to Alex's point as well, like uh, the best paid organizers that I know are the organizers whose outlook is also ideological. And, and, it, and, it, and it's those organizers whose philosophy, and I don't, I don't know a lot of them, but I know a few whose, whose organizing philosophy is literally, I, I'm organizing to put myself out of a job. I, I, I am organizing to increase rank and file participation in this local, or I'm organizing to get workers engaged in their workplace and replace me because they need to do the organizing. They need to do the organizing. And it's those workers who also, it's also those organizers who I think recognize that a lot of us don't know how to do with this. I, I, like we are not raised in a culture where, where we are used to critiquing our bosses and, and critiquing power structures and thinking about ways to fix those things. And, and, and when conflict comes up, because we start to do that, we also don't know how to handle that conflict. And so I know a couple of these organizers who really, they organize in a spot for a couple of years. And when they get like a local and a business union with a strong rank and file movement, they move on either because their job gets terminated because they're not needed anymore or because they just want to move on to the next challenge of organizing, mm -hmm. of, of organizing those workers. And, and I think that's, I, I, so I value those organizers, but quite a few organizers, it's a, it's a job, you know, it is their bottom line. And, and I think there's a really salient point there, uh, Alec, when I meet some of these people, like, like the OPEIU or, um, or the UFCW, um, or even, you know, AFT organizers in some cases, like, there is a bottom line. They are making a calculation. Are we going to get enough dues here, not only to sustain my job, but also to like make my president happy or my national president happy? Mm -hmm. Are we going to impress people with shiny new membership dues? And those membership dues are expensive. If you're a member of the MEA, the Michigan Education Association, you're probably paying over $1,000 a year in dues money. Mm -hmm. um, and and with some questionable, some questionable return on that investment, right? The, the, the IWW's dues are at a minimum $6, $11, 22 and 33. That's what it costs. And in part, and that's in part because our organizers are voluntary labor. And on top of that, it means that when I engage somebody in an organizing campaign, Alec, I've known you for like, what, three three-ish years now since one of since one of your first organizing campaigns out here and and we have a relationship right yeah. and and you know i i'm very i'm i'm i i've mentioned it to you before but i'm always very proud to work with you and organize with you because i think you're an incredible organizer but we see this i see this in other spaces i just had an organizing meeting this week with a couple of workers i've been talking to these people for a year and a half they disappeared fell off the radar for for eight months, um, you know, they got a little spooked by work. Uh, someone found out something they didn't want them to find out about, and they all just kind of scattered to the wind. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they just called me up out of the blue and said, "Hey, Derek, we're interested in organizing again." Uh, now, if I'm a business union organizer, there's a chance that I'm going to pass on that phone call because I know these people already got spooked once. Um, can I organize there? They 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 were a little skittish at first uh, uh, back when we were first organizing. Um, and, and my response is just an IWW member is, hell yes, I want to talk to them because they want to organize. Let's, let's talk about organizing. And, you know, I asked them uh, on that phone call, do you want to organize with the IWW? It's okay if you want to go somewhere else. I'm going to advocate organizing with the IWW, but, but do you want to? And, and their response was, I think, very much so what I'm trying to highlight here, which was, we have a relationship with you. 
you know, you have always been available to talk to us about, about workplace issues, about organizing issues, about concerns we have. And, and, you know, I think that we have a good relationship and, and we trust you. So I think we want to organize with you. And that's the foundational difference here. I'm not organizing people to make a fucking buck. I'm organizing people because workers deserve a collective voice. Yeah. Um, I haven't been organizing long, but, um, I think most of organizing is just showing up and the IWW shows up. Also, I like how Derek is using this podcast to make sure Alec is his friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you're, you're right. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's definitely very manipulative of me. I'm sorry. Thanks for coming out, Jason. I appreciate that. No problem. Genuine, you know, when they're not, um, when they're not based on like, you know, my dues money, uh, and, and when there's, you know, when an external organizer, you know, is making it very clear that, you know, as a, as a worker, you know, my uh, idea about what needs to happen in my own workplace is kind of the be all and end all uh, criterion for, for how to proceed. Uh, because one of the, the frustrating things about working with one of these outside uh, large business unions is that, you know, then there's just, there is literally another party in the uh, arrangement that who's, uh, preferences seem to, to be considered or seem to be like weighing in there. And, uh, you know, I think, why? Why does it matter whether they want to go fast or slow or whether this is a good month for them or not for them? You know, if, if you take the IWW approach and you really are trying to accompany workers, build power among workers for them in their own workplace, then it doesn't really, you know, matter uh, what your preference would be. You're not, you're not, you know, if you're the organizer, you're just not one of the workers in that workplace. So, um, you know, it really uh, circumvents the possibility of having a second boss, which is not you know, the goal of anybody who's trying to unionize. People don't want to just, you know, basically hire like their own you know, HR firm that's going to come and, and deliver the bad news in, in a, a softer tone or something like that. <laughs> I think a, th a third point is kind of related to the second point of like the IWW is not only willing to organize any industry, but it, with its model can organize in any industry. So like gig workers are a new thing or newish thing. Still going to try to do it. And if we can organize it, you know, if we can train people to be organizers in a gig economy, they can organize, you know, all the bike messengers or all the DoorDash people or whatever. It's flexible. It is. It was flexible because it's grounded. You know, so the that's which, which frankly is just so so flabbergastingly obvious that that it's really the phenomenon is really that there are so many other institutions that call themselves unions that are not grounded this way. They aren't grounded in actual grievances. They aren't you know fit to actual workplaces. They they're like these ideas of of how workers ought to be organized uh, and behave. Just the same way that a corporate structure that that you know would like to arrange fifty people on a floor in, into cubicles and and have these kinds of, uh, you know, paid time off arrangements and breaks and so forth. You know, it's, it's the same kind of thing. Um, and it's really, that's one of the fundamental absurdities of being a worker in, in you know, the 21st century uh, in America is just that, that these top-down structures exist. So someone like uh, Walmart or, uh, you know, a new sort of fast food chain can just move to your town. Uh, voila, overnight, there is this, this structure for how you know thirty people's lives are going to be arranged, and there's really no discussion about that. There's no um, there's no sense in which that connects with like the local population and 
and what kinds of, of people are going to be working there and what their aptitudes or, or talents or interests are or how the community you know, around them works. It's just, this is how Wendy's is set up. There's a shift manager. There are three people on shift at this time and then they have to be in these you know, physical spaces and at these positions. And if they would like to uh, advance in their work, they can move to these next uh, you know, promoted positions in the company. And, and it's all just, uh, you know, cut and paste. So that's, you know, that's really, um, that's, I know that's one of the, the most sort of demoralizing things about being a worker these days is just that those structures exist and that they're so immense and that you sort of find yourself in them. And often workers like, you know, some of the work that they're doing. I really enjoy a lot of the work that I'm doing right now, but I do find it like, uh, you know, like I'm bumping up against the, the boundaries, the walls of, of my uh, quote unquote position. And, you know, that, as a worker, I think, well, that's, you know, these are silly, like, you know, lines, they're sort of artificial. And, uh, you know, the last thing you want is for a union to come and just add more of them or, or you know, reproduce those, those, that same idea of here's the structure, this is how it's going to go. Um, you know, people, people generally don't organize because they want to be told what to do. They organize because they're tired of being told what to do, hmm. want to have a conversation about it. I th- yeah, I think a lot of those lines came up the same way our civil liberties kind of started disappearing because it was like safety, you know, oh, here's a here's an easy track. I don't even have to think about it. I get a job at Wendy's. I have acne. I cry in the corner. And after a while, I can do something better. Yeah. And that's and, and, and it's and it's horrifying. Right. Like I I love I love working with some of the organizing projects we have. So like the service industry workers uh, of the Ann Arbor area, for example, like we're we are working with people who love doing service work. They, they, they love the social interaction. And I'm not going to claim that every service worker loves service work, right? But mm-hmm. we're talking about people who have been in the service industry in restaurants or as cooks for 30 years yeah. for, for, for like their lives in, in some of these cases. And they've suffered through the shitty wages and the sexist bosses and the, and the racist customers uh, and, and the just bad working conditions, the wage theft, the working while sick. And, and, and they've done it in part because they, they love the work. They love their customers. And, 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 and it's so genuine to hear them talk about it. Like the, the people they know by name, the real relationships they have built and the real sense of like, of like a profession that they have honed, the skills that they have genuinely developed. And then to hear like some, some, some modern day capitalists talk about how that's just a temporary job that you should only have in college and, and, and then you should get out of it and move on to a real job. Motherfucker, this is a real job. Like these people are working day and night to, to make all real jobs, all real jobs. Like what, like what the hell is a real job? And, and, and then, and then you have some, some, some union come in maybe like, you know, the UFCW wants to come in and give you some, some cookie cutter contract that worked at a, at a different place. Uh, and, and here's the tiered structure for promotion and, and how long it's going to take you to get to these certain tiers and, and like workers look at these contracts and can't even read them in some cases. Like, it, like it's become, it's become like a legalese that has employed in, in several generations of labor lawyers at this point. And it's ludicrous. The, the, the basic form of organizing the IWW organizes, uh, the, the IWW advocates for is solidarity organizing. 
A lot of workers I know want contracts. I get it. I'm happy to help them organize a contract. But you have to have solidarity. If you want to build real worker power, if you want to get real representation, if you want to get in your workplace what you need to be satisfied as a worker in that space, you have to have solidarity with your fellow workers and you're going to have to be willing to march on the boss and make your demands. Uh, and, and, and we do that by building relationships and we do that by respecting workers' voices and actually hearing what the hell they want and, and working, to make those, working to make those things a, a reality. Yeah, well, I think that about wraps it up. Pretty nice, a little bow. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Alec, for joining us first time. Uh, and we will see you next time. And that's the show, folks. It was recorded and edited by me, fellow worker Jason. The intro and outro song are also by me, fellow worker Jason. If you'd like to join the IWW and be part of the One Big Union, go to iww.org join. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns for us, shoot us an email at ypsilanigmb at gmail.com. And until next time, an injury to one is an injury to all.